Back to the Sports Dan Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Hooker here. And today, I'm going to give you my college football preview. So, let's talk about the main thing that has been going on in the offseason for college football. Let's talk about the realignment. The realignment has done things that I wouldn't think anybody in the NCAA will allow. It allowed people to think more about the business side than the sports side. Yes, the kids are benefiting from NIL and everything, so now... I think the higher-ups are trying to benefit from making super conferences, from the Big 12 adding a lot of teams from the American Athletic Conference, and then you have the Big 10 wiping out the Pac-12. You have the SEC taking the main two stars in Texas and Oklahoma, taking them to the SEC, where the SEC is now the, the most dominant conference in football. Um, the Pac-12, I think the Pac-12 loss loses out because the universities just want to have early games. But the early games, the early games are still going to be there. But at the same time, they're still going to have to play those Ben 10 after dark games. When you think about, when you think about Oregon playing USC or UCLA traveling down to to USC, so I think that's a lot of things that that's a lot of things that they have to reconsider. And I think that the realignment isn't isn't the best thing going forward. So let so let's go look at who's going where. You have the ACC staying the same, and although the ACC is staying the same for next year, there's a lot of rumors of that of Florida State leaving, trying to find a better conference, and it's just so they're trying to make sure that they're in the best conference suited for themselves to make sure that they have a chance to go to playoff year in and year out. Now that the playoff is suspended to 12 teams, the whichever conference thinks that they can have the most the most impactful teams in college football thinks that they will have the most teams inside the college football playoff. So I think that there's a lot of things that has to be done. The NCAA has to stop the, with the realignment. I think the NCAA needs to get, get back to their roots, let the regional rivalry stay. Let go, put the Pac-12 where where it needs to be at, because there's no reason why the ACC, the Athletic Coast Conference, is talking to Stanford. And it's like, why, 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 why would they even do that? It's called it's called the Atlantic Coast Conference, not the Pac-12. We can't do that. So, the Big 12 is adding Arizona, Arizona State, BYU, and Colorado. And Utah. It's all West Coast teams. The Big 12 is known for their Midwest play. So why so why are they adding West Coast teams, as you would say? It's because they want to play earlier games to make sure that the national media gets to watch them. So that so that the more the national media watches, the higher their ranking may be. But in reality, you play the game to win. The Pac-12, we can always talk about team in the beginning of the year saying, oh, this team may do good. This team may do that. But at the end of the day, they beat up on each other, and no one comes out of it. And now the Pac-12 has been sitting up for a little while now. I think about over over three years that they haven't had a team in the college football playoff. And I think that this year may change, but it's a big if. Now in the Big Ten, you see them add Oregon. UCLA, USC, and Washington. 
I don't I don't know what's with them going all the way to to eastern the northern part of the east coast uh to play Big Ten football because the Big Ten as we know it they only they usually have only one one team and that's usually Ohio State or Michigan and that's gonna be the same thing this year and I think that with the twelve team playoff I think they may get through the four teams now you can add in Ohio State you can add in Michigan. You can add in USC because of Lincoln Riley and what they do. And I think that maybe maybe in a few years, what Chuck Kelly has done with UCLA, I think you can add them too with Dante Moore coming in as a freshman at quarterback. I think that though those four teams can make something happen. And in the Pac-12 in 2024, they will only have four teams right now. But as you saw, Cal, Stanford, they're trying to leave, go to the ACC. And then you see Oregon State and Washington State talking to the Mountain West Conference. It's really all about money. Because there's no reason why Oregon State, if the Pac-12 dispersed, Oregon State doesn't have, a, doesn't have a conference to go to that isn't a Power 5. That's all I'm saying. There's no, There's no way... There's literally no way. So now we have the SEC. Everyone stays said they add Texas and Oklahoma. Now we we all we all have, have the same Texas is back each and every year. I want to see it. I want to see that this year because this this is probably the best team that they're gonna put out with Queen Ewers at quarterback, with their wide receiver room being deep as it is. Bringing in freshman Jonte Cook, eighty, getting going in the transfer portal, getting A.D. Mitchell, and returning Xavier Worthy. That that true right there in receivers alone should carry you to at least nine to ten wins in the Big Twelve. But you know, I can see Texas with their schedule this year doing something like they always do: be a high, formidable opponent. Then. They lose to someone like Oklahoma State the next week. That's all I'm saying. But, you know, the American Athletic Conference, they lose out on their heavy hitters with Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. But I think they gained a couple a couple of good pieces with UTSA, UAB. Trent Dilfer and UAB, I think, will will be one of the better group of five teams in two years. That's what I believe in. That's why I believe what he's building down in Birmingham. And then, as you see, the Conference USA, they're going to add they're going to add Kennesaw State. They're going to add New Mexico State. They're going to add Liberty. They're going to add Sam Houston. And they're going to add Jacksonville State. This year, but, but now next year, Kennesaw State will be there. And then that's about it. Yeah, that's about it. So now, now we got realignment out the way. Here are my top five Heisman contenders. No, there will be no Caleb Williams. There will be no Drake May. That Those are the obvious people. Because those guys right there, those guys are going to be one, one the number one, number two overall picks going to next year. 
But my number one pick would be Jordan Travis from Florida State. Jordan Travis has everything going on for him. To the defense, to the coaching, to the familiarity in the system. You saw last year what he was doing. The first game against LSU, this is how I knew Travis, Jordan Travis was tremendous. Goes, throws a fade ball to Bucky Wilson. Gets clobbered by the LSU defense alignment. Throws it right on the money. Gets right, gets right back up. Throws up the touchdown signal. And that's that showed me a lot. That showed me a lot of heart from Jordan Travis. That showed me that Jordan Travis is ready for the big moment. And now you saw Jordan Travis completely change his play with not running as much, but running when needed to. But now he has Trey Benson, Trey Benson, Trey Benson in the backfield with him. Johnny Wilson has Jaheim Bell. Went went into the transfer portal and got a huge. 6-4 target, and Keon Coleman from Michigan State. I think adding those pieces will only enhance Jordan Travis' impact on the team and the ability to win the Heisman. And then I'd say my second favorite one to win the Heisman is Jane Daniels. Jane Daniels has only done what, what I thought no one, no one could do. Come from a Pac-12 school, go to a high, high-performance school at at LSU. Coming in with a new, with a new coach, new system, new wide receivers. But he came in, and he came through for the Tigers. Beating Alabama your first year at this, as a starter, going to the SEC championship game, playing injured. That showed that you you care about your team, you love your team, you love what your team has done so far with you there. You love your coaches. You love the culture. Because playing on a high ankle sprain is not for the weak. Jane Daniels. Jane Daniels is my second favorite because he doesn't turn over the ball. He always makes sure he always makes sure that he always makes sure that everyone's eating Malik Neighbors. We didn't we didn't hear a lot about Malik Neighbors before the season started. We heard about Keishawn Boutte. But then at the end of the year, Malik Neighbors was the number one option. Then I lo- you know who I love though? Their glue guy. Mason Taylor, the tight end. That kid right there, he's going to be he's going to be the best college football tight end in the next year year or two tops easily. The kid has great hands, can block, and has the does everything the right way. His dad, Jason Taylor, the Hall of Famer defensive end from the Miami Dolphins. That kid right there knows ball, and I, and I love what they're doing with him. Getting him in mismatches, making him go up for the fifty-fifty balls, and he always finds in that just to get open. I love guys that just know how to get open, secure the catch, and make sure they move those chains. And Mason Taylor does that. A surprising pick for me is Sam Hartman. I think what Sam Hartman did at Wake Forest, I think not a lot of people are talking about that because Wake Forest before Sam Hartman got there. People saw Wake Forest on the schedule and said, oh, that's an easy W. Oh, hey, guys, we can sit back and coast this game. But when he came in, he came in, put his impact on the team, made sure that Wake Forest didn't go out sad in any of those seasons that he played. Because from what I'm understanding is that he was 
when you watch that Clemson game last year, he was working Clemson, going to work on Clemson. That ranked top thirty in defense, total defense last year. When he did that, it showed me that Wake. It showed me that Sam Hartman was an NFL ready quarterback. Now he returned the college for a year, transferred to Notre Dame to get that national media, so that he can be looked at from NFL and looked at from the NFL scouts and Heisman voters. I think that his 14-4 touchdown interception ratio against top 25 opponents is something that I look at as, hey, this kid's got it. He's the ACC He's the ACC leader and passing touchdowns with 110. I think that that right there should should make sure, should make Sam Hartman in, in your Heisman running because if he can do that awake, why can't he do that in Notre Dame? That's all I got to say. Um, another person is Cam Rising. Um, everyone knows Cam Rising from being a tough competitor. Um, you saw what he did in the Pac-12 championship. Get blown up. Helmet comes flying off. He has a nice, long, flowing hair. He gets back up, and he wins that game. And he goes on to win the Rose Bowl. It shows that Kim Rising is a leader. Kim Rising is everything that you want out of your quarterback. A tough competitor. Hard as nails, and then he goes in, he drops downs, and he's an underrated runner. He knows how to maneuver throughout the pocket and get things going for himself. And the last, but my long shot, but I love this kid. It's Jalen Williams from, it's Jalen Daniels from Kansas. Jalen Daniels has done a lot for the Kansas program. Um, before he got injured, they were undefeated. He only had one turnover to his 16 total touchdowns. I think if he comes back healthy and he does what he needs to do, I think that Kansas has a legitimate shot to win the Big 12 because it's the Big 12. You have to think. Baylor could beat Kansas State one one weekend. Texas could lose to Oklahoma. Texas could lose to a Texas Tech. But I think that that right there shows me everything I need to know. Because Jalen Daniels can go in, come out undefeated, and then keep up that momentum so that Kansas can be maybe a 10-2 team, a 9-3 team. I think that his name will be in the running. Do I think he will win? No. But I think he will get get that notoriety of saying, hey, this kid can go. This kid can go. And I think that when we see when we see him out on Saturdays, I think, hey, this guy right there, he's a baller. And he's a kid that you want on your team time and time again. For now, so now, we got my Heisman contenders out the way. We have tiers in college football. The tiers in college football, I'm gonna give you four tiers. Let's start let's start with the number four tier. I call it sleep if you want to. Oregon State. Their defense is top-notch because they were shutting down Mario Williams, Jordan Addison, Travis Dye, and Kaelin Williams. Had them all the way up into the fourth quarter until Kaelin Williams pulled something, pulled, something out of, pulled something out of his trick bag. And that game right there, I think that game won him Heisman. Because if USC loses, 
we'll be looking at we'll be looking at Lincoln Riley a little different. We'll be looking at Caleb Williams a little different. But now he came out one. I think that I think that Oregon State is a team. Sleep if you want to, because they'll come up behind you. And they they add in DJ from Clemson. I think that I think that he needed this restart from Clemson because I think that he needed to go back go back to the West Coast, be close to home, make sure his family can see him time and time again. I think that him being close to home will be a more of a comfort factor for him. And I think that right there will do tremendous jobs for a tr- a do a tremendous job for him. Um another team is Notre Dame. Sam Hartman, Marcus Freeman. I love what they're doing over there. Um I think that Notre Dame is a is a will be a competitive team. I think that Notre Dame can do can make some noise. And I think that if Notre Dame just stays consistent, doesn't get too high or doesn't get too low, I think that they will be in the top ten at the end of the year. Uh Washington. Washington Huskies. What can I say? Michael Pennis Jr. I've been high on him since Indiana. I think that he will be a person you could look out on draft boards to be like, hey, that's a that's a first round draft pick right there. And I think that that right there shows me that Michael Penix with his wide receiver courts, I think Michael Penix can over throw over four thousand yards this year. That's that's what I'm just saying. And then another team from the Pac-12 is Oregon. Surprisingly, Bonix played tremendous in that Oregon system. Oregon played catered to his strengths. He played phenomenal. It's that some games just got away from him. And I think that Oregon Oregon just needs to do a better job of closing out the games. And if they do that, I think Oregon has a shot to be really good. Tier three, play your cards right. If I give if I give these teams, let's say Seven cards as they do on Uno. And I give them I say, go go play, go play against go 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 play against these people right here. If they if these team players plays their card right, they can make it to the college football playoff this year. No more team on that no more team in that tier is USC. If USC plays their card right, if they win the Pac twelve, they're in there. Easily, they got four one loss, but that one loss has to be, that one loss has to be to Oregon or to USC or to Washington. But they can't lose no more than one because they if they lose more more than one, oh they're out of there. Florida State, if you play your cards right, if you beat Clemson, but that's not that's not even the hard that's not even your hardest test. Your hardest test is going to be week one against LSU. If you beat LSU, and then you go on. You be consistent. Make sure you're not too high off that win. Stay consistent and go into that week four game into Death Valley, which will probably be a night game for the Clemson Tigers. If they go in and they win that, all you have to do is just stay the course. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Just stay the course. If they stay the course, why, why won't they be in the college football playoff? They have everything. And then let's not get started on the recruiting trail. Getting two five stars in the secondary. Mike Norvell, round of applause. 
you are now on your way to being amongst college football top-tier coaches. Next, we have Penn State. You have Nicholas Singleton in the backfield, toning the rock. He gained over 1,000 yards as a freshman. Why can't he do it again as a sophomore? Why can't he get 1,200 as a sophomore? James Franklin, I love what you do. But the number one question mark is Drew Aller. Do, do I think Drew Aller would throw over 3,000 yards and get, and maybe get, get a team a win by himself in the game? Yes. But it would have to come between Michigan and Ohio State game. Because that's when the lights are brightest, and that's why I think that if, if Penn State wants to be, hey, don't forget about us, they have to beat a certain team. That has to be Michigan or, or that has to be Ohio State. Another team, it's Clemson. Simple as that. Clemson, you have Will Shipley in the backfield. You have a, you have dogs on defense line, dogs in, in the linebacker group. If you if you can get K. Klubnik with Gary Riley's offense, just to get him thirty five hundred passing yards and get about twenty eight twenty eight touchdowns, thirty two hundred, thirty five, thirty five hundred is a little exaggerated. If you get him thirty two hundred and twenty eight touchdowns, what's stopping Clemson? That's you have your hardest game at home. That's Florida State. After that, it's Duke. But if you take Duke serious and and don't overlook over to next week or look over to the ACC championship at that Florida State game, you have your, you have your shot at the college football playoff. Another team, Tennessee. Um, Tennessee does what they do best: score points, but can't tackle. I think that if Tennessee can. Sure up that defense, because I what I know is Joe Milton's gonna gonna put it out there for Bruce McCoy and 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 company on the, on the outside. I like you can't you can't tell me that Joe Milton won't throw over thirty five hundred yards. You can't, but Joe, but it's, it's all right on Joe Milton that defense. If Joe Milton doesn't have to throw, sit back in the pocket and just throw the laser every time. And knows how to put a little touch on the ball. And doesn't have to throw a fastball every time. He's good. He'll be he'll be a okay for Tennessee. Then, but the other thing is their schedule. Alabama away. Got to play Georgia, but you play Georgia at home. Those two games will show me a lot about Joe Milton. I think that. Don't slip on Kentucky either for them because Kentucky will play them hard. Whatever Mark Stoops does what he does in the Kentucky program, he will have those kids playing hard against Tennessee. And I know that Tennessee fans will be like, oh, Kentucky this, Kentucky that. Kentucky has been in Florida the past, let's say, past five years consistently. They, they've been winning that battle against Florida. If we if we say that in the early 2010s, people be looking at us crazy. People ask us in basketball, right? No, in football. So now, Tennessee has to be consistent on the defensive end. 
and on the offense. And on the offense, it's all relying on Joe Milton. If Joe Milton can do what Joe Milton does, has put the ball out there, doesn't have to throw if he doesn't have to if he doesn't have to throw a fastball, has some touch, show me some accuracy. If he does that, bam. Tennessee. You can potentially make the playoff if you beat Alabama again. Or you or you upset Georgia. If you do that, you're in there. Another team. I think the preseason hype of Texas is real. I think that Texas can do something what they haven't done in a little while. And that's win the Big 12. If Texas can win the Big 12, they can have a shot of doing something special in Austin. Um, and it's all relying on Quinn Ewers. Um, Quinn, when Quinn Ewers, if Quinn Ewers was healthy against that Alabama, you cannot tell me that Alabama doesn't lose with Bryce Young and everybody else. If Quinn Ewers doesn't get injured, can we see Quinn Ewers as a Heisman candidate after that? But it's all about staying on the field for Quinn Ewers and just being consistent. Steve Sarkeesian is one of the best offensive play callers in college football. But if he can't win this year, what makes you think he 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 can win the next couple of years with Arch Manning? Let me know. I'm just asking. Cause if he if he can't win this year against probably I'll I'll say one one of the more calmer years in the Big Twelve. If you can't do if he can't do that this year, what makes you think he can do it the next year? When they go to the SEC. I'm just asking because I just want to know. Because if not, T. Sarkeesian will be looked at very, very differently now. We'll, we'll be looking at him as, oh, he's a great coordinator. But as a head coach, we have to retract that. We have to look at him a little differently. Um, Another team, the Utah Utes. Kyle Winningham, what he does over there in Utah, I applaud him. Going through a lot of tragedies in the last couple of years and getting his team to persevere through the tragedy and turn it into a triumph. I think that that right there shows that the culture that is set in Utah is not going to be left. Cam Rising is the epitome, is the prime example of that. Cam Rising is a kid. He can fall 100 times. He's going to get up. I think that that right there shows me a lot of what is to come for Utah. Because Utah, year in, year out, they can lose one game. But one thing about it, when the lights are bright, everyone's going to show up that day. Utah versus USC, first game, blackout game. What happened? Utah got down 14 and came back and won that game. You came to the Pac-12 championship. They came through. They was like, oh, we're not going to go down 14. Hey, let's show, let's show the national media what we're really about. And what did they do? Show the national media what they're really about. And that's what I love about Kyle Winningham and their team. The culture that is set is tough, blue-collar kids ready to go to work day in and day out. That's tier three. Player cards right? One of these teams is going to be in the college football playoff. Tier two. Do what you have to do. Just do what you have to do. Win the football game and go on about your business. Win the football game. Don't don't make any mistakes. If they don't make any mistakes, 
win the tough games because there will be a couple trap games. But do what you have to do to win the game. Let's start off with Ohio State. Ohio State, I don't care who plays quarterback. It's looking like Kyle McCord, but I don't care who plays quarterback. You got probably the best wide receiver group in the nation. With Carnell Tate, Mbuka, who fried Georgia. No, everyone says Marvin Harrison Jr. No. It was Mbuka. And you have Defari ready to get loose and Marvin Harrison Jr. Let's listen. Yes, passing game is tremendous. Probably a top five passing game in the nation. But let's not forget they're in the game. Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson. Both bats can get over a thousand yards. It's, they, they get RB1 carries. But so what? Ohio State, all you have to do is beat Michigan. Literally. All you have to do is, is, beat, is beat that team in the state over. If you can do that, you're going to be right where we were last year. But probably as a higher seed. Because we know, we know you can blow you can blow every team out in the Big Ten. Like, oh, let's just throw to Marvin. Let's throw to Carnell. Because that Carnell take kid, yes, he's going to be RC for three. Hint, him or Julian filming. But Carnell Tate will probably, will probably be the next big thing out of Ohio State. Him and Jeremiah Smith. Those are gonna be that's gonna be the duo right there that people are gonna be look at like, wow, that's so unfair. That that's what that's what I believe in, and I I think I think that things things are shaping up for Ohio State to do tremendous things this year. Um, another team is Michigan. Um, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan. Um, Jim Harbaugh, let me talk to you. Don't talk the talk. If you can't walk the walk. Let me say that again. Don't talk the talk. If you can't walk the walk. You're saying your, your quarterback. J.J. McCarthy has lights up. Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen. And then you go on to say. You're going to you're gonna break the draft record. Of getting the most kids drafted. In the, in the draft. Jim Harbaugh. You can put kids in the league. You can say whatever you want to say about your quarterback. You're at Michigan to hold up a trophy. We have multiple opportunities to do that. Multiple. The last two to three years, we have multiple opportunities to do that. And what have you done? The last two years, what have you done? You got blown out by Georgia. With your brand of football, running the ball, being physical in the trenches, then you go on to lose to TCU, to Max Duggan, Quentin Johnson. D- those are your teams. So all I'm saying is don't talk the talk if you can't walk the walk. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But you have to do what you have to do. And you have to beat Ohio State because Ohio State's hungry again. Yes, the game's back, the game's back at home for you guys. So it'll be less nerve-wracking. 
But regardless, it's probably going to be your hardest game this year. And it probably has the most stakes right in it. Even higher than the Big Ten Championship. But that's just to me, though. Um, Alabama. Um, Alabama has to do what they have to do. Um, Alabama. I know who's. I don't know who's playing quarterback, but you guys are going to rely on your defense. You want to know why? Because you have Dallas Turner. Because you have a Kool Aid McKinstry. Because you have a Malachi Moore. Because that freshman from Mill Creek, Caleb Downs. Oh. He's he's gonna be the next great secondary player. After Kool when Kool Aid leaves, we're gonna be talking about Caleb Downs. Rely on your run game because y'all have a great one-two punch with Jason McClellan, with Jason McClellan, and Justice Haynes. Rely on your run game because whoever's that quarterback, you are gonna get. Scrutinize. You're going to be talked about. You'll be all those things right there. Because you're you're going you're going to some big shoes. What Bryce Young did for Alabama and his impact, that's who you're going to be compared to. It sucks, but it just happened. It just happened. That's the way life works at Alabama. You're going to get compared to from the last starter and the starter before that. Bryce Young, unfortunately, didn't win one. But before that, who was it? Tua, right? No. Matt Jones, excuse me. What Matt Jones did in his one-year starter. When? Matt Jones won. So, you have to do what you have to do. All right. Um, LSU. This schedule is probably the hardest in college football. I'm sorry, but Brian Kelly isn't running. Going, isn't going to run from the smoke. Week one, you're playing Florida State. Then you go on, you're playing the hard ACC West. Hugh Freeze is going to have Auburn going. I I I don't I don't know how he's doing what he's doing on the recruiting trail, but hey, he's going he's, he's going he's going to make that team go. Um, playing Tennessee, you know Tennessee will give you problems with their offensive attack. Josh Josh Heupel is probably a top ten offensive head, a top ten offensive minded coach, probably top five. Um, I think that whatever LSU does, just do what you have to do. Rely on Harold Perkins. Rely, rely on your experience secondary now. Rely on Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors to get things done for you, and Mason Taylor to get things done for you. Cause if LSU do does what they have to do, you're going to be in a playoff again. Once you're in that playoff, now now we we'll, we we'll look at Brian Kelly a little different. We we'll say, hey. This kid, Jay Daniels, is a first-round draft pick. How how would this season play out if LSU goes on and maybe loses one game? Would they make it, if they make the playoff, would we look at Brian Kelly a little different now? 
Because this is only year two in Baton Rouge. Year one, no one expected Brian Kelly to win as be successful as much as he was. That's all I'm saying. Just do what you have to do. Do what you have to do, and you're in the playoff. Then the last tier, um, tier Georgia. Um, what Kirby Smart has done with this team, I think that, I think that they're just head and shoulders above competition right now. Carson Beck, NFL ready quarterback. Um, the running game doesn't matter who plays running back at Georgia. You have Dale McGee as your running back coach. Um, probably the best wide receiver room that we that the Bulldogs ha- has had since a long time. Still got Brock Bowers. Defense. Um, defense, defense, defense. Kamari Lasseter. Welcome to welcome to the cornerback one role. Um, Malachi Starks. Had a tremendous freshman year. Expecting him to replicate. I expect him to replicate it. But I expect him to become more of a leader in the back line. Because Chris Smith has left. So now I expect. I expect him to become more more of a vocal leader now. Because he's seen it all his freshman year. What, what, what has Malachi Starks? Didn't see in his freshman year. That he won't see the next two. So I'm saying, um, I think that college football is the most passionate sport in the U.S. Fan bases will talk about how good their team is once that once June hits. It's like, oh, our team is great. Oh, our team is this. We got these transfers. We got this. We got that. We got these freshmen coming in. Oh, we got coaching changes. We got this new offense quarter. It doesn't matter. College football playoff is peak. It's peak life. You wake up, have some water, eat your pancakes, eat your eggs, eat your bacon, eat your sausage. You turn you turn on college, college game day. Peak life because now you're watching football. You're watching football like. Anything from nine o'clock to twelve o'clock at night. One twelve one o'clock at night. There's no better feeling. And that's what college football is all about. Make you glued to the TV and make you love what the kids are doing. With that note, I'm your host Jonathan Hooker. Signing off. See you guys on the next episode. Peace.